Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Good to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas Cattle Feeders Association held their annual meeting this week in Oklahoma City. The attitude there was described as cautiously optimistic. We'll have more on that to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Our dry conditions in the Texas High Plains may mean our ranchers will need to buy more hay. I'm James Hunt and on Texas Ag Today, We'll talk about how ranchers can assure themselves that they're getting good quality hay. The horsefly population is increasing. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll tell you where, along with the latest Texas Crop Progress and Livestock Condition Report, on today's Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. The cotton ginning season, well, it continues, and onion planting is underway. Those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas Cattle Feeders Association held their annual meeting this week with cattle feeders from Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico gathering in Oklahoma City. TCFA Chairman Scott Anderson is a cattle feeder from Guyman, Oklahoma. He says the industry is cautiously optimistic about the future of cattle feeding. We're starting to you know make some progress on a lot of the things that we've been working on for you know, basically a year trying to get numbers back under control and, uh, you know, get things to match a little bit better and, and earn some leverage back on our side of the equation. And, and we, we see glimmers of that on an increasing frequency, and so it's starting to make everybody feel a little better. Anderson says he's encouraged by the recent progress of the cattle industry's effort to increase cash-fed cattle trade. Rabies cases are on the increase in Texas this year, so it's important to vaccinate. Animal health experts are urging Texans to ensure their pets and livestock are vaccinated against rabies. Dr. Joanne Mackey, a rabies expert for Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health, says quite often cattle and horses are exposed to rabies when they interact with wildlife in an area where a human may not see it. In Texas, there's rabid skunks, there's rabid foxes. Texas seems to have quite a variety of wildlife species that can transmit the disease. There is a risk, but it isn't a huge risk because there are vaccines that can help prevent the disease. Boehringer Ingelheim has a vaccine that's been used for decades here in the U.S. called MRAB that has been proven to be safe and effective in vaccinating both horses and cattle, but then also the domestic pets of cats, dogs, ferrets, and then also sheep. That was Dr. Joanne Mackey for Beringer Ingelheim. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We all know we had a wetter-than-usual spring and summer this year, but just how wet was it? 
when you look and compare those weeks versus the averages that we've had over the last 129 years, it was the fifth wettest time period that we've ever had from that late April to first part of June. Some fields saw over 20 inches of rain, and that really impacted our corn and sorghum growth and development there. That's Adam Owens. He's a field agronomist for Pioneer, covering the central Texas Blacklands and the Concho Valley. He says all that rain caused a big problem with nitrogen leaching, and it encouraged the development of foliar diseases. We saw southern rust come in pretty late in June, but um, and also northern corn leaf blight uh, take effect in uh, May and parts of June as well. And uh, growers that did apply a fungicide uh, by working with their their field agronomist for Pioneer or their local retailer, uh, they were able to see a, a pretty good return on investment there as well. Adam Owens with Pioneer. Dry conditions this fall on the Texas High Plains have many ranchers on the hunt for more hay. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. With that dry spell our region has been in since the end of July, grazing opportunities around the area may not be as good as livestock producers would like. Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith says when it comes to native pasture, we're not seeing a lot of growth in cool season forages right now, and wheat for pasture is not as available as it would normally be at this time due to delays in its growth. So what about hay? Dr. Smith says its availability seems to be fairly good, but hay quality appears to be much more varied now than is the case in most years, so Dr. Smith encourages ranchers to utilize lab testing known as forage analysis. There's really no replacement for a forage analysis when it comes to trying to understand exactly what you're buying when you're buying a load or or more than a load of hay. When the results come back, producers can use the data to make further decisions regarding their animal's nutritional needs. A producer can work with their county agent, potentially their specialist in their area, or their independent nutritionist or company nutritionist if they're working through a feed company to really interpret that analysis and and get a better idea of what the value of that forage is going to be and and what they may or may not have to supplement it with to meet the needs of their cattle. Dr. Smith says some hay producers actually have forage analysis done themselves and can provide results to their buyers. As to supplements, Dr. Smith says there have been some issues with supply lately and what's available is expensive. Dr. Smith also says AgriLife has tools available to help producers make value-based decisions on supplements. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Winter wheat planting continues across Texas while row crop harvest is wrapping up. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look. The United States Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service crop and livestock report for the state of Texas is as follows and shows a lot of diversity in harvested and planted acres of various crops. For small grains, emerged winter wheat, which is now at 46%, is down 2% from the previous year and down 3 points from normal. The wheat has so far been planted over 72% of the state. Oats emerged is at 38%, down 1 point from the previous year and down 5 points from normal. Oats planted across the state of Texas right now stands at 75% of the acreage. For row crops, corn harvested at this point has increased to 94%. Cotton harvested has reached 40%. The number of peanuts harvested has reached 30% of acres across the state. Grain sorghum harvested has uh, almost hit 100% at 95%. Soybeans harvested is at the 86% level. 
When we go to the Livestock Range and Pasture Report, supplemental feeding continues in various areas across the state. The horsefly population is increasing in some areas of northeastern Texas. Pastures are reported in good condition in various regions of central Texas, with other areas reporting needing more moisture. The pasture and range condition was rated mostly fair to good. The statewide range and pasture crop condition shows 36% fair, 27 good, 21% poor, 9% very poor, and 7 excellent. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton ginning continues in South Texas. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. Valley weather has been in the upper 80s to low 90s, but humidity has been low, and that's certainly making things bearable here in extreme South Texas. Onion planting is underway along with fall vegetables. The cotton ginning season is in full swing. We have a lot of modules and, uh, well, a lot of trailers still left on the Valley gin yards. The citrus harvest has gotten underway. Right now we're thinking that we're seeing about two tons, well, maybe two tons per acre of citrus. You know, normally we would be looking at 15 to 20 plus tons per acre, but with the, but with the freeze uh, on Valentine's Day, it has certainly cut way, way back on production. Livestock producers have certainly been enjoying this open weather. They're doing a lot of hay hauling right now. We're getting a lot of young calves welcoming into the herd as well. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley reporting for Texas Ag Today. The latest USDA World Agriculture Supply and Demand report shows record corn yields and very tight wheat stocks. Michael Clements takes a look at the numbers. USDA production adjustments in the latest WASDE report increased ending stocks for corn and soybeans. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Shelby Myers says USDA revised yields for corn and soybeans are slightly higher. We see an increase in yield from USDA from 176.3 bushels per acre to 176.5 bushels per acre. What this does is really puts pressure on corn production that we weren't expecting earlier in the season. This is the best yield on record, second behind what we saw in 2017. So a lot better corn out there than we thought. 2021-22 soybean production expectations are up to 4.5 million bushels, potentially the largest U.S. production on record. Soybean supply and demand expectations, I think, are the big shocker of the day. Ending stocks for the 2020-21 marking year were increased by 81 million bushels. And the revision still puts soybean ending stocks about 51% behind 2019 stocks. The carryover then pushes overall soybean supply up for the 21-22 marketing year, as well as we've seen increase to yield. USDA made additional changes in the wheat forecast, reducing supplies with lower domestic use and decreased ending stocks. The stocks to use ratio for the 2021 wheat crop year continues to sit at about 40%. But what that's doing is really impacting this year. Year's marketing year for the 21-22 marketing year. So that stock carryover number is at its lowest point since 2014. The stock to use ratio has fallen again this month for wheat, going from 29.8% to 28.5%. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Fishing for flounder off the Texas coast will be off limits for a few weeks. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And breakover is a concept with a horse's foot. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Breakover is a concept with a horse's foot. Dr. Bob Judd says it can be manipulated with trimming and shoeing. Some horses need easier breakover, especially those with certain conditions, such as navicular disease or caudal heel pain and laminitis. Using inertial measurement units, researchers in Germany determine that breakover lasts a shorter time in certain gates when the horse is shod with wedges, roll-toe shoes, or shoes placed backwards when compared to normal shoes. Dr. Jenny Hagen indicates in the horse publication that breakover is defined as the moment when the hoof's position moves over the toe. An easier explanation is that the easier the breakover, the less time the foot stays on the ground when the horse is moving forward, and there is decreased strain on the deep digital flexor tendon. Decreasing strain on the deep digital flexor tendon is very helpful with conditions like navicular disease and laminitis. The researchers took 10 sound warm blood riding horses with inertial measurement units attached to the hooves and measured breakover at a walk and trot. It was shown that a standard metal shoe increased breakover compared to the horse being barefoot. However, rolling the toe of the shoe or placing the shoe backward did have some effect at reducing breakover, but not as much as being barefoot. A five-degree wedge was added to the front feet as well, and the monitor showed a large decrease in breakover compared to the breakover without a wedge. Hoof elevation causes a reduced extension of the coffin joint and less stress on the deep digital flexor tendon. The study also found that regular trims did not decrease breakover, and it requires a rolled toe or a wedge shoe to decrease breakover time. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fishing for flounder off the Texas coast will be off-limits for a few weeks. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. If you plan on fishing off the Texas coast in the coming weeks, you'll need to mark flounder off the list of fish that you hope to catch. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is closing the window for flounder fishing for both commercial and recreational anglers from November 1st to December 14th to allow more flounder to spawn during their annual migration to the Gulf. Robin Rikers, TPWD's Coastal Fisheries Division Director, said they cannot regulate any factor other than flounder harvest. He said by allowing more fish to spawn, they preserve as much recruitment potential as possible and help maintain a sustainable fishery into the future. Texas Parks and Wildlife has noted declines in flounder populations for several years now. The department says they're driven by poor recruitment as winters continue to warm. This is the first year for the flounder fishery closure. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission approved it in 2020 after hosting public hearings on the matter in 2019. The fishery will reopen to the public December 15th. At that point, the bag limit will be five flounder per day per angler with a 15-inch minimum. Parks and Wildlife says flounder are one of the top four most sought-after species by anglers in Texas inshore waters. Again, that flounder fishery closure is November 1st through December 14th. 
If you are looking for a place to celebrate Halloween, you may want to consider a Texas state park. Over the next few days, select state parks will host family-friendly Halloween-themed events. To find one near you, visit texasstateparks.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market pulled back a bit on Thursday, but cotton prices continue to run higher. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. After a positive week in the cattle market, we ended up closing lower in most cattle contracts on Thursday. We'll start with live cattle, where October was down 272, 124.50. December down $1.25, 130, 32. February live cattle down $1.20 at 135.75. The feeder market lower on all except the nearby October. That's the lightly traded contract that's about to go off the board. It was up 17 points, 156.67. The rest of the contracts lower. November lost 82 cents, 157.65. January feeders down $1.37, closing at 157.57. Cash fed cattle market, very optimistic this week. We sold cattle from 124 to 126 on a live basis here in the South. That's steady to $2 higher compared to last week. Up north, dressed cattle sold from 196 to $200. That's a $4 bump compared to last week. The boxed beef on Thursday mixed with the choice down 99 cents, 282.64, select down 49 at 262.18. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Doug Bass had a sale at Cattleman's Brenham this last Friday. Doug Bass, I know you had uh, over 700 head. Talk to us about how those heads sold. On your weigh-in cows, your thinner, lower-yielding cows bring 16 to 48. Better high-yielding cows bring 55 to 75. Uh, thinner, lower-yielding bulls bring 55 to 78. Better bulls bring 80 to 97. Parry cattle bring 11 to 1350. A few bred cows we had bring 750 to 1,000. Calf market uh, looked pretty darn good. Your little roping calves, one or two-weight roping calves, steers bring 126 to 190. Heifers 120 to 175. Two to three-weight steers bring 122 to 195. Heifers bring 121 to 150. Three to four weight steers bring 135 to $2. Heifers bring 128 to 170. Four to five weight steers bring a buck and a quarter to 187. Heifers bring 126 to 180. Five to six weight steers bring 120 to 170. Heifers bring 115 to 165. Six to seven weight steers bring 115 to 145. Heifers bring a dollar to a dollar 65. Seven to eight weight steers bring 110 to 130. Heifers bring 95 to 145. And 800 to 1,000 pound steers bring 80 to one. 25 and heifer at spring 80 to 98. What do we got coming for this Friday sale? I've got some good middle-aged cows coming. Got some miles left in. One of them's going to have some pairs, a lot of brangus cows. Another set's going to be, it's going to be a double load of just some good crossbred cows, beds with some good black bulls, and then lots of yearlings. We got quite a few yearlings lined up. Also, Sunday, we will be having our special sale. 
Uh, we will be starting at 1 o'clock. We should have right at 1,000 heads. I think somewhere right around 40 bulls and the rest will be females, opens, breads, pears. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yes, sir. Y'all can call me on my cell, which is 979-877-4454. Uh, or you can call us there at the office, which is 979-836-3621. Neighbor, thanks so much for listening to Doug Bass. Y'all be sure to check out his sales on Friday, the special on Sunday. And then be back for more Walking the Pins tomorrow right here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs close sharply higher Thursday, December up 322 to finish at 7520. February hogs up 287, 7720. Class 3 milk was lower. October down to 1785, 100 weight. November milk down 28 at 1856. Another big run up in the cotton market on Thursday. Strong sales and renewed hopes for improved talks between the U.S. and China helping to boost prices once again. December cotton up 321 points, closing at 113.73. March cotton up 319 at 111.83. Checking ahead to next year's crop, December 22 cotton up 110 points, closing at 91.72. The corn market closed higher again on Thursday. December corn up five and a half, five sixty-two and three quarters. March up five and a quarter, five seventy-one and a quarter. The wheat market knocking on the door of eight dollars. The nearby December Kansas City contract actually came within three cents of hitting eight dollars during the trading day. On the close, however, we backed off. December was up seven and a quarter to close at seven ninety a bushel. New crop July up four and a quarter, seven seventy-eight and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up nine and a quarter, seven seventy-eight and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas dropped forty-five cents, five seventy-four. December crude oil down eleven cents, eighty-two fifty-five a barrel. The financial market slightly higher on Thursday. The Dow up one hundred thirty-four points, thirty-five thousand six twenty-five. The Nasdaq up 177, 15,413. The S&P up 33 points at 4,585. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.